Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now consider this. In the future, all sorts of food might be produced locally, including meat, but the difference is that it won't come in the traditional way. Instead, it will have come from a sort of a brewery. The writer George Monbiot has been investigating precision fermentation. Afternoon, George. Good afternoon. So if you could start by describing for us what is precision fermentation. So it's a refined form of brewing which uses microbes to produce specific products. And we've been doing it since the 1970s to make insulin, um, uh, since the 1980s to make um, kimosin, which is the replacement for rennet, which we previously got from mashing up the fourth stomach of an unweaned calf. Um, And we use that for making cheese. So most of your listeners probably eat it every day. We also use it to produce um, vitamins, enzymes for the food industry, But the exciting thing is we we can now use it to produce protein-rich foods, produce the whole thing. And I think this is potentially the most revolutionary environmental technology ever developed. And when you say protein-rich foods, what what does that mean in, pardon the phrase, concrete terms, but like what comes out at the other end or what would appear on someone's plate? Sure. So so, so what what is produced immediately is a a protein-rich flour. So it's... It looks a bit like wheat flour or any other flour, but it's got about 65% protein, whereas wheat flour is you know, 10 or 15%, and soy flour, which is about the most protein-rich kind of flour, is about 37%. This is much higher. This is twice as high as that, um, uh, almost. And, and it's, um, um, it, it's potentially revolutionary because these proteins can be um, made to replicate the protein profile of meat, of fish, of eggs, of milk, and could be far more effective substitutes for animal products than plant proteins are. Mm. And, you know, a lot of the sort of meat substitutes and milk substitutes we get today aren't very satisfactory because actually plant proteins aren't a great basis for making them. But these microbial proteins could make it much easier, much quicker, much less processing, far fewer in, in, far fewer ingredients, and much cheaper than than the plant products. In fact, they could quickly undercut animal production by a large margin. And that really could be the end of animal farming, which would be the best thing we could ever do for the living planet. Uh, uh, by how much undercut it, in the sense of its, uh, the relative carbon footprints of both? Uh, well, in, in terms of environmental impacts, massively. So um, one study looking at um, producing protein from, from methanol um, which is a kind of alcohol that you can make from renewable energy, so it doesn't need any um, farm inputs at all, um, shows that you could reduce the most efficient way of producing protein at the moment, which is um, soy grown in the US. You could reduce the amount of land required by 1,700 times. And that means when you're looking at the least efficient way of producing protein, which is beef farming, you could produce the land, you could reduce the land required by 138,000 times. Now, this introduces a, a fascinating and intriguing opportunity because it would enable us to rewild the world on a massive scale, ecological restoration on huge areas of land. And I think we've now reached a point where that is our last hope. That is the one thing 
that could get us through this century and um, prevent the collapse of Earth systems, because not only would it stop the sixth great extinction, but it would also draw down a large amount of the carbon dioxide that we've already released into the atmosphere. At what stage is the technology at? Well, so there's um, some companies already operating commercially, um, but uh, generally in, in the United States and, and other places, um, in the European Union, the novel food regulations um, uh, take a long time to navigate. And so while some companies have, have applied, um, they haven't yet got permission to go ahead and re- release these products onto the market. And, you know, it's good that it's properly regulated, it's properly tested and all the rest, but actually you know, these regulations are a bit of a gift to current industries like livestock, which are doing everything they can to pour sand into the gears and to stop this transformation from taking place. Uh, and and these particular companies, the, uh, uh, I presumably because they're doing it on a relatively small scale, it's relatively more expensive at the moment. At the moment, yes. Um, so it's right at the top of its price curve. But, you know, it's going to be similar to, you know, when computers replace typewriters. You know, to begin with, they were expensive. Only a few people bought them. Um, and then um, very quickly, they become they become universalized. And, and we'll, we're likely to see digital-style price curves. Now, the thing is that animal farming is right at the bottom of its price curve. It's extracted almost all the efficiencies it can, which is why it's treating animals so appallingly with, you know, chickens bred to slaughter at five weeks, um, cattle in the U.S. being injected with bovine growth hormones, pigs with raptopamine, just to extract the last possible efficiencies. But it hit rock bottom. It can't go any further and it's already treating animals appallingly and doing massive damage to the living world it's by far the most damaging of all industries is animal farming and and microbial fermentation is right at the top of its price curve and it's only going to go down and probably go down very quickly so if you're a livestock farmer diversify now how many companies are investing in this kind of technology at the moment is there a danger well, there, of you have a few, you know, mega companies who yeah, uh, who own the no, rights there, to all this? Yes, no, of course. Well, 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 well there's dozens um, involved in the space at the moment. Of course, there's always a danger of corporate concentration and consolidation, just like we've got in the existing food system, where, for instance, four corporations control 90% of the global grain trade. But the answer to that is not to ban the global grain trade. If we did that, billions would starve but to break up those big companies. And what we need right across the sector, old food and new food, we need strong antitrust laws and weak intellectual property rights. Could it be the case, though, I mean, in an idealised future, that you have one of these factories uh, 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 producing uh, microbial fermentation in every town or area and it's feeding its own people there? Well, that would be the ideal, you see, and this is an opportunity for everyone then to be part of a local food chain, to have to have locally produced food. And it's very, very hard to do through farming. And, and there's a simple reason for that, which is that most of us live in cities and there's not a big enough agri- agricultural hinterland to produce the cities, uh, to produce the food that those cities consume. So um, one study showed that the average minimum distance over which the world's people can be fed with grain is 2,200 kilometers. But as you so rightly say, you know, these 
these factories can be set up anywhere. You could have a small factory, a, a microbrewery, in every town producing protein-rich foods tailored to local markets, and it can operate autonomously. And particularly in, in the world's most food-insecure nations, which are dependent on massive imports from thousands of miles away um, and are so extremely vulnerable to disruptions, they could free themselves from that dangerous import dependency. Um, and they're very rich, on the whole, in the one thing you need to produce a food chain based on hydrogen or based on methanol, which is what a lot of this precision fermentation uses, which is sunlight. Mm. That's what you need to make your renewable electricity. And while all this sounds very uh, exciting and potentially game-changing, is there also a danger, George, that every now and again somebody says, well, there's this, this technological fix for climate change and then that can distract people from the immediate uh, challenges at, at hand? Well, yes, of course, that, that is a danger. And, you know, this doesn't mean we should any way take our, ball, uh, take our eye off the ball and stop concentrating on the political changes needed, the economic changes, the social changes, the cultural changes. We've got to do everything. But just as to get out of fossil fuels, we need alternative technologies like solar panels and wind turbines. To get out of livestock farming, which is arguably an even bigger cause of environmental destruction than fossil fuels, I mean, it is the major cause of habitat destruction, of wildlife loss, of species extinction worldwide. To get out of that, we also need new technologies. And just when we need it most, a very exciting new technology has come along. And, and for the carnivores listening, George, precision fermentation could produce a kind of factory-produced version of meat. Well, yes, it can be remarkably similar. So, I mean, already I, I thought the biggest challenge was going to be the texture. You know, how do you get the texture of steak? But um, just last week, um, I had a steak um, produced by 3D construction. It was made of plants in this case rather than um, the microbial proteins. It'd be much better with microbial. But they got the texture dead right already, and it was indistinguishable from meat. I, you know, I, I, as a vegan, I was feeling, whoa, this, is, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> I'm sure I'm eating meat, but, but I wasn't. Uh, George Mamio is a Guardian columnist and author. George, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.